Yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Saturday Night Billsology. I am one of your co-hosts, DM3. You can follow me on Twitter at DM3 underscore BIB. And the guy to my right is the co-founder of Built in Buffalo, Akeem Richens, A. Rich. You can find him on Twitter at KingRich987. Akeem, it's been a while. It's been a couple weeks since we did one of these together. I mean, we're back in the swing of things. How you How you living, man? How you feeling? You know what, uh, A. Rich, Akeem Richens, this is Built in Buffalo, and I feel rather swell this evening. I get to talk about swell. and swell. I, I think that's the appropriate word today. I get to come back and talk about uh, my favorite team in all of sports. Don't get me wrong, the Mets are a close second, but the Buffalo Bills Ugh. is definitely my favorite team. And uh, getting back to doing what we love to do. What's going on, brother? <laughs> oh, the Mets. You had to bring up the Mets, man. Um, in, in all of the three plus years I've known you, that's the first time I've ever heard you say swell. So I guess that's good, right? Yeah, you know, you know, I, I got I gotta build up the, the vocabulary a little bit. <laughs> uh if you guys are tuned in for the first time, you 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 found us. This is Bill's Allergy, built in Buffalo. If you're watching on Facebook, smash the like button. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button, subscribe, hit the bell. And if you're watching on Twitter, thank you. Like this, share this, comment, do all that great stuff. Um, we have a packed show tonight. We did a show a couple weeks ago, and it was about defense. And the show was over two hours long. So we decided that we were going to do offense, but we were going to break it into two segments. That way we can kind of touch base, leave no stone unturned. Um, and we're going to talk about running backs and offensive line today. Um, mm -hmm. As always, Drop your comments in there. If you guys have questions, drop those in there. If you want us to absolutely throw them on the screen, if you have a comment, if you have something else that you want to talk about, drop us a super chat. Um, that goes right back into the brand. We greatly appreciate any kind of donations. So this week in Buffalo, we had a few things happen, and I can only properly do this this way. So, this week in Buffalo, a few things went down. We signed a speedster, a rich. I'm not sure if you're you're familiar with Mr. Jeff Badette. He is a speedster. He's kind of a journeyman return, kick return, punt return guy. Four two seven speed. So, I wanted to talk about this on a couple fronts. But what was your initial reaction when you saw this signing? Did you think, like I thought, that it was more than just a camp body? What's your thoughts? Uh, I thought that uh, this was an excellent signing and shout out my brother Draper Jackson. Uh, pressure makes diamonds, right? And we have to think about uh, the positions that that must be filled. A lot of people will say the Buffalo Bills don't have many holes, right? A lot of people would say the Buffalo Bills didn't lose anybody this offseason, right? But what two positions do we do? Do we have to fill? Putt returner and kick returner. And I don't believe that us as fans of the Buffalo Bills really value those positions and look at Andre Roberts as a as a as a as an integral part. But he was, and he was a valuable asset to the special teams. He was the main reason why our special teams was as good as it was for the last several years. And now we have to fill those voids. So uh, Jeff Bidette, I believe, was a was an excellent signing. We're talking about an undrafted kid in 2018. 
Uh, he played for the XFL five games for the Dallas Renegades, 16 receptions, 108 yards. So he shows some receiving ability, 427 speed. Uh, and I think when you have him and Marquez Stevenson and Isaiah McKenzie and throwing throwing Matt Breida in there, right? Uh, you have five guys going for two spots for the Buffalo Bills roster, and that's kick return, punt return. I like the signing. Pressure makes diamonds. And you talked about Andre Roberts, and there's a lot of I, I won't I won't deal with Andre Roberts slander on social media because I loved Andre Roberts. I thought that he gave us an edge. Now you can look at any kick returner and say, yes, there was some times they made mistakes. They took the ball out deep out of the end zone and they got us, you know, pinned back inside the 20. You can say that about a lot of kick returners. But if you look at any kick returner last year, he gave us the second best field position on kick return. So that is something that has to be talked about. And I looked at this a different way because everybody's talking about how they think that people that the Bills are grooming Christian Wade to be the return guy. It's been three years. I think that that ship has kind of sailed, right? So by signing Bidette, I think that this, you know, because the rookies were in camp last week. So maybe Marquez Stevenson didn't show out doing those duties, and maybe they're concerned that he may not be able to do that. He's got the speed, um, and they have McKenzie on board too. So I think this, like you said, pressure makes diamonds, and this guy was brought in to kind of push these other guys, and we're going to kind of see what happens. I thought that was an interesting signing. So – Another signing, the Bills went and signed a defensive tackle, Trayvon Hester, kind of a journeyman uh, defensive tackle. Uh, me and A-Rich were talking about him before we started the show, um, and, and A-Rich mentioned that he he said in one of his, his clips that he can play all the spots in the defensive line as far as one tech, three tech. So what's your, what's your initial thoughts? Because a lot of Bills fans have been clamoring that the Bills need to bring in another one tech defensive tackle to kind of give Starr and Vernon Butler – a breath in that rotation. What's your thoughts on this signing? Uh, Buffalo Bills doing their due diligence without uh, the money, without the cap flexibility. All of us would love Jarrell Casey, right? But the reality is the Buffalo Bills, are uh, they don't have the money to sway in some free agents. And if they do try to sway in free agents, it's going to have to be on a, on a, on a, on a lesser deal or on a deal that some, some players may not agree with. So when I look at the signing of Trayvon Hester, it's the Buffalo bills understanding that defensive tackle uh, is a possible position uh, of need, depending on what happens with the progression of Starla Tule and, and Ed Oliver and what happens with Harrison Phillips. But uh, we also need some one tech. We need some one tech help. And I think Trevon Hester, uh, 6'2", 304 pounds. We had Ed Oliver there last year at 280 pounds playing that one tech. So if he can come in and, and surprise some people and uh, and play well in this camp, in this offseason, I think Trev Trevon Hester can possibly find himself uh, as a practice squad candidate. But that's as far as I go. Yeah, a couple of good comments from Mary here, too. Uh, did the, the tackle defensive tackle is a good signing because we don't know what kind of shape star is going to be in. And I've said this a couple times on this show that stars hasn't played football in a year and those big linemen, when they stop playing football um, for whatever reason, they seem to lose that playing weight. And maybe that was a concern. Now you got to think too, that the bills brass has been in contact with, you know, star checking in, seeing what his playing shapes, like what his diet's been like. Um, Cause I know stars all go. He he's, 100% in on playing this year. So, um, and then this is a good comment too from John. 
he says he isn't fat enough. And I think that was our issue last year, trying to have Quentin Jefferson and, uh, and Oliver play that position is they weren't big enough to be those, those guys mm-hmm. that take on two blocks to your point, mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. you just said. So um, I want to throw this comment up. This is kind of off topic, but I want to throw this comment up. There is Addison tradable. Um, I'll touch on this real quick too. And then I'll, hey, Rich, I'll get your thoughts too. I don't know what that contract and the guaranteed money, if, you know, he restructured to take a little bit less, so I don't know if this is that situation like Trent Murphy where we had him on the roster all of last season paying $10 million to be inactive all the time. Um, the Bills absolutely put Addison, I think, and I wouldn't say Jerry Hughes to an extent, but the defensive line on notice by drafting Rousseau and Boogie Basham. So I think Addison's going to have to come and he's going to have to work his ass off. Um, because he had a career low in sacks this past season. So what's what's your thoughts on Addison if he's a potential trade trade candidate? I don't think so. I think uh, Mario Addison is going to be on the team. The situation will have to make sense, right? We're talking about an older, we're talking about an older defensive player um, that's that's uh, garnering a lot of money in his salary cap. So what situation would that make sense? to trade a Mario Addison. Who's going to want an old player worth a lot of money? The only possible situation where I could see that happening is if we could uh, come up with a scheme to get Julio Jones to, to the the Buffalo Bills because now the money has to make sense. That's when contracts and and money make sense. But just to give up Mario Addison as if he was uh, Wyatt Teller, just for a six round pick, that's the, that's not going to happen. Oh, right? don't say why I tell her. That still is depressing. Right. That still right. is depressing. You you mentioned you mentioned Julio Jones, this guy right here. Um, so this has been all all week. This has been all over the place, right? Apparently, somehow something got leaked from the Falcons saying that they are looking to move him. I feel like did you ever see the movie Groundhog Day? And <laughs> he wakes up every day. So basically every offseason. Julio Jones is like going to get traded, right? Julio Jones isn't happy with his contract. The Falcons aren't happy with Julio Jones. Julio Jones agent isn't happy that he's the whatever ranked wide receiver as far as making his his salary. I I just feel like this is a, a bad nightmare that happens every year. And of course, as Bills fans, we're always like, what would it take to get Julio Jones? A dream scenario to get Julio Jones. I think it's nice to talk about. It's nice to, to fantasize about if we were playing Madden, um, but there would be too many moving parts that would have to take place at this point in the offseason. I feel like if this was going to happen, it would have happened before the draft um, with the Bills, I'm saying, because they'd have to move a bunch of cap around. Um, he's making way too much money this season, and like you said with Mario Addison, there'd have to be a player involved multiple draft picks involved. I don't know on the scale of first through seventh round what that would look like. I know going through Twitter, it was two days ago. It was all over Twitter. Everybody was throwing out these trade scenarios, what it would take to get Julio Jones. So it's nice to talk about. It's nice to look at him in this uh, swap center made this on Instagram. If you guys want to find this, um, this awesome Jersey swap. Um, It's nice to think about. It's nice to look at and, the bills would definitely be Super Bowl contenders. And I feel like they'd be on par with the Kansas city chiefs offense. Um, if they added that, what, what's your take on the whole, the whole Julio Jones drama that typically ensues this time in the off season when there's nothing else really going on. I would love Julio Jones on the Buffalo bills. 
Of course. You know? I would I would love to have a guy like Julio Jones come to the team, but um can it is it feasible? Can it happen? I'm not one of those guys that's that's gonna say, hey, no, I don't want Julio Jones, but then turn around and say, damn, Julio Jones went there. You know, I, I just right. think that, you know, I just, I, I, I can't, I think that's, that's, that's backwards to me. You can't complain about where he goes, but then on the flip side, you don't want him because of certain situations. I would love right. him. But when I think about Brandon Bean, right. And how he structured the team and how he feels about money and how he feels about draft picks. Do you know, do you, you see the hurt in Brandon Bean's face when he didn't have a fourth round draft pick, right? Right. We've we seen the hurt on his face. He doesn't yeah. like to mortgage money and he doesn't like the mortgage draft capital. So because of those things, we have to think as realistic as possible. And because of that, I don't I would love it. But it's a pipe dream for the Buffalo Bills. Speaking, speaking of no fourth round picks, did you see when Brandon Bean was talking about how did you see his expression when he was talking about oh, I finally paid off Stefan Diggs? I finally got I, – I finally finished paying for Stefan Diggs. He was, like, distraught. Oh, and by the way, have you watched Embedded yet? Yes. Have you, yes. This amazing. was probably the best one. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely the best one. And if you guys haven't watched it, I personally posted the last probably minute and 15 seconds. And I did it on purpose because everybody that was talking after the draft about how Brandon Bean – wasn't drafting to improve this year. He comes flat out and says, we absolutely drafted to improve this year because the guys on this roster are going to push these veterans to get better this year or else they're going to be on the bench. So I thought that that was, that was super interesting. So, so, let, so hold on. Let, yeah. me, let me play devil's advocate with you, DM3. All right. Let's say, hey, you know what? I want Julio Jones, Right. A lot of people talking about it doesn't make sense because of the money. Why not? If a guy gets you, if a guy can put you over the top, why not go get that guy? A lot of people say, hey, the Buffalo Bills are mortgaging the future. I'm not sure if we're going to win the Super Bowl in the future. So what am I mortgaging exactly when people say you're mortgaging the future? Nothing is guaranteed in the right. future. Right. Nothing is guaranteed. I have this window of opportunity right now. Why not go get uh, Julio Jones and make this and try to make this work and try to get this Super Bowl right now? Because I don't know what's, what's, what's guaranteed for the future anyway. So what's your thoughts on that? I, I mean, it's that old saying, do you want to win the Super Bowl or do you want to be in your feelings? Like I, mm. everybody has, everybody has a thought about the future. Right. And and we've, we've previously gone at this and not me and you, but other folks in our group chat, we've talked about it. Oh, well, the window doesn't have to be just right now. And then everybody wants to say, well, as long as you have Josh Allen, your window can be as long as Josh Allen's here. Okay. Well, when we start paying Josh Allen, mm -hmm. the, the players that we're, we're going to be able to surround him with aren't going to be as good as the players that we can surround him with now and next year. Mm -hmm. So if you can get Julio Jones, mm -hmm. And I, I honestly don't think it's going to happen. But if you can get Julio Jones, I think you you do what you can to make it happen and win now. You were you were one game away from playing in the Super Bowl last year. And I I, I brought this up when we when I talked about the schedule last week. We had all these guys banged up playing 
in the Super Bowl. All these wide receivers, Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, everybody's banged up. John Brown wasn't wasn't 100% healthy. Mm-hmm. Add mm-hmm. in another physical wide receiver that's an alpha mm-hmm. male like mm-hmm. Julio Jones, mm-hmm. and I think that you put yourself right up there with mm-hmm. Kansas City, if not better. I mean, I, I really, I realistically, I don't think it could happen because I think you're 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 spot on when you're talking about Brandon Bean and how he likes to keep the cap at a certain amount. We got to remember too, we haven't signed. Um, Rousseau hasn't signed yet, mm-hmm. so I mean, we just signed Hamlin, so we still got to put money aside for him, right? Mm-hmm. So then you got to think they're going to bring a couple more camp bodies in because the roster's not to ninety one yet. But let me give you a more realistic option. I mean. Mm, okay. A more realistic option, and I'm not done talking about this, and I'll talk about this until June 2nd when he signs with the Indianapolis Colts after the Philadelphia Eagles cut him. This makes sense right here. I'm not saying we trade anything, mortgage the future as far as a third or fourth round pick, but I think that Philadelphia is going to start getting real desperate here real soon. And it, Brandon Bean's got to wait, what, another nine days? 10 days mm-hmm. until we can have him probably for a fraction of the price of a, of a draft pick. So what's your thought on Zach Ertz? I mean, everybody's talking about we have Dawson Knox, we have Hollister, and we're probably just going to, you know, roll the dice with the wide receivers with four wides like we did last year. We don't, we don't, we don't put the tight ends in to be a huge part of this offense, blah, blah, blah. Well, I got a couple different opinions on that, but first, what's your take on Zach Ertz before we get stuck behind the eight ball on the show? We're already twenty minutes in. We haven't. <laughs> we're still on this, and that's fine. That's fine. Hey, yeah. uh, Zach Ertz, he's not the explosive specimen what, what, that I think about when I think about weapons, but he is an upgrade. We're talking about a guy uh, that's a three-time Pro Bowler. Zach Ertz, in my opinion, has has very good hands. And he uses his body well. We're talking about uh, uh, basketball and boxing out. Well, he does that well in terms of catching the football. He understands and knows how to put his body in position to box out his uh, defender and catch his and catch the football. So because of that presence, because of that veteran savvy, and just because I'm all about upgrading the team any way possible. And is Zach Ertz an upgrade? Will Zach Ertz upgrade the tight end room for the Buffalo Bills? The answer to that question is yes. So I'm all for anybody who can upgrade the Buffalo Bills. It's not even, okay, so production is going to be a bonus here, I think. To me, and I pounded the table for Greg Olson last year. I made a freaking video on it on our YouTube channel. I thought it was would have been a win-win not only because of familiarity playing for McDermott. Yes, he's a defense. He was a defensive coordinator in Carolina, but they played. They they knew each other, right? Um, he would come in and give Dawson Knox the tutelage. I think that he needs because he's still learning his position. He was a mm-hmm. freaking quarterback up until college, mm-hmm. so he's only playing the, been playing the position for a few years, a handful of years. Tight end is one of the hardest positions to transition from college to the pros. There's a whole lot of stuff that you have to learn that you're never asked to do. So Zach Ertz being a tenured vet, say what you want about his production last year. I think the offense was completely screwed up in Philadelphia because Doug Peterson didn't know how to run that team, but he comes in, he gives you production. He gives you off the field stuff. He gives you the film room stuff. He gives you the training tutelage to tell Dawson Knox, this is how you become a number one on your team, bona fide star tight end 
This is the work I'm putting in. Now you have to do what I do. Do it. And that doesn't mean that Dawson Knox still can't be super productive in mm-hmm. 2021. He can still mm-hmm. come on here, have 35, 40 catches, a few mm-hmm. touchdowns. So that's my thoughts on that. Let me get, let me know your thoughts, guys, in the comment section. And I, and I will say this, you know, you know, the the Zach Ertz to the Indianapolis Colts seems like the thing around here. Right. When we talk about Zach Ertz and possibly being released. But when I look at Zach Ertz last year, he had 36 receptions, 335 yards, career lows. Who was his quarterback? Carson Wentz. So <laughs> you, uh, now, I, now I know that I believe a lot of that was Carson Wentz. So you had your worst career with your best friend as quarterback. Now, do you want to save your career? Do you want to save your friendship? You know, because the last time we checked, Josh Allen, uh, career year Zay Jones, career year Cole Beasley, career year Stephon Diggs, John you know? Brown. career year John Brown. So do you want to save your career or do you want to save your friendship? So and that's what that's what I think about when I when I hear the 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 Zach Ertz to Indianapolis talks. Yeah, Mookie, and that's that's a great comment from Mookie, because um, everybody knows the relationship between Ertz and Wentz. Those guys they've they've been they've been thick as thieves since Wentz came into the league. I just got to think you at the end of the day, being Zach Ertz, like you said, do you want to go retain your friendship or do you want to go try to win a Super Bowl? Because as good, I think, as the Indianapolis Colts are going to be this year, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be better than the Indianapolis Colts. I do believe that because you have that new the, the new situation with, with Wentz playing. Yes, he's playing for Frank Reich again, but it's it's new, right? It's new. They have a nice young young defense, but again, it's still new, him in that system. Nobody knows what to expect. He's got a few injuries, and he's not the Wentz of his rookie year when he was just lighting up the league. So we'll see. We'll see if he re- if he resurrects his career. We'll see what happens. But mm-hmm. Mookie's right. You know, he's thick as thieves with with Carson Wentz. So, all right, we're gonna move on. Comment section is blown up. Our YouTubers are, are getting in here. Facebook's blowing up again. Mm-hmm. Smash mm-hmm. the like button on Facebook. Smash the like button on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube and smash the like button if you're watching this on Twitter as well. So next segment, which happens to be one of my favorite of the show. I love yep. that beat. That's a nice I beat. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. So our first one here, tweet this. If you guys are new to watching the show, tweet this. What it is is not everybody that's a Bills fan that watches our show or watches Bills content on YouTube is familiar with some of the stuff that goes on in the Twitterverse. So we like to throw up some tweets that are Bills relevant. Um, and that's good talking points. So this one here, this was a really cool story. The Bills uh, hired Sophia Lewin as an offensive assistant. Um, and this, again, Brandon being in the front office staff is they're trendsetters. They're doing a lot of things ahead of, I don't want to say ahead of the curve, but they're doing a lot of things that are becoming trends in the NFL. And this is, this is something great to see. Um, I'm not a hundred percent specific on what her role in the offense is as an assistant. If she's going to be, you know, a run game coordinator, if she's just going to be helping out the, the offensive coordinator, but just awesome to see um, taking strides and, I just think the the bills seem to be in the last four years since Brandon beans got here, you know, we have the analytics department. Um, Other teams are taking, you know, our front office staff for their, their, they're hiring them for their, you know, for their front offices. So this is just another, another feather in the cap of Brandon Bean. It's a great job. What, what's your thoughts? 
You know what? As much as I I love the job Brandon Bean is doing, uh, when I think about a hiring like Sophia Lewin, I I I think about uh, Kim Pakula. You know, sure. um, the owner. I think she's done an excellent job in in bringing diversity uh, to this NFL, to the Buffalo Bills, starting with Catherine Smith in 2016, down to Kali Bronson in uh, 2019, and I believe Phoebe Sketcher in 2018. So now we have another woman in Sophia, and I, I I have to give as much as I want to give credit to Brandon Bean, I have to give credit to to Kim Pagula because she's the one sure. that's that's putting diversity and 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 spearheading that in this NFL. I agree, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right, this one came from Sal Capaccio. The Bills had seventy five players at OTAs. Um, now I know the Jets were out here boasting we had eighty players at OTAs. Well, that's because you have a shit ton of rookies and a shit ton of free agents that you sign that need to get familiar with your playbook. Um, but this is great. I mean, 75 guys, mm-hmm. um, that's almost the full roster. Mm-hmm. And we've all seen a lot of the guys working out on their own. Um, mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs, you know, a lot of the offensive guys, uh, Jordan Poyer, a lot of the defensive guys have been working out on their own. So what's your thoughts when you see – especially a lot of these guys that have been here, you know, the 2018 draft comes to mind. Like we're, we're getting the same amount of guys. It seems every OTAs last year, we didn't have them, but it seems like we're getting these guys want to be here and it's the culture, right? So what's your, what's your thoughts on that? We'll we'll talk about this briefly. This is when we talk about Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, because they, they exemplify the culture. They bring out the culture and, and, and that vision that uh, they seen, uh, for our Buffalo Bills when they took over for us in, in 2017. Uh, I give a lot of credit to, to them. Uh, we don't have no issues with bad locker room guys, bad apples. We don't have no issues with arrest. We don't have any off the field issues. And we have guys that want to come back to the team like we've seen this offseason. And we have guys that's that's team guys and team players and genuinely like each other. And that's because of what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean has built. And uh, I give them uh, the most credit for that because that's that's something that goes overlooked. And that's something that is you are a reflection of your coach. Right. And the Buffalo Bills definitely exude that. And that's a great reflection to have if it's Sean McDermott. Isn't it just refreshing that the last four years we've seen this building, right? I think when. McDermott came in and he sat down at his press conference. It it felt a little bit different, right? But then when Brandon Bean came in, basically mimicking a lot of the things that McDermott was saying about how they wanted to build things. I'm just glad that we finally have a front office staff, including the head coach that is actually following through with a plan. You know, we talk about the process all the time. I'm just glad that we have, you know, Brandon Bean in 2017 completely flipped this roster on its head, right? And we 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 didn't know what to expect. On top of the fact that we we came off of the Rex Ryan era, you know, we were 15 and 16, so we were used to losing. Coming out of the drought, finally 2017, we break the drought, but. Every year, this team, the chemistry, no matter what players they bring in, it seems like it's just a continuation of the players that were here before. Even when we lose players and we bring new players in, I mean, if you watched Embedded, 
those draft picks, man, they couldn't be more happy to be playing where they're playing right now. Um, all of them. And I know there's some fluff in there because they're rookies and they're supposed to say certain things, but I felt like when they were talking to Boogie Basham or Greg Rousseau um, or, or even Spencer Brown, like the stuff, it was just, it was very genuine. And mm-hmm. I don't know the scouting department, how they find these guys that just seem to just, they, they just mold right into the culture that they already have. But, you know, it's just awesome. And I mean, watching Sean McDermott eat Raisin Bran while everybody else is eating donuts and cookies, it's like, Mm-hmm. That dude is like that's him. Like his, he's he does he's, he never breaks character. Like that's mm-hmm. that's McDermott, and it's just it's just nice to see. So I'm gonna put a tweet up that I never thought I'd be able to show and to talk about. The Bills are favored in 15 of their 17 games. The only two games that they're not favored in, which kind of makes sense, is the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year, Kansas City and Tampa. What's your thoughts on that? A lot of pressure for the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. in 2021-2022 to succeed. We are looked at now as the runner-up to the Super Bowl. We are looked at now as uh, the upper echelon. They think about us now. as uh, All these years when we think about elite teams, we just think about the Patriots. We just think about the Steelers. We think about the Ravens. Well, guess what? The elite teams are now the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Buffalo Bills. So it's a lot of pressure, and I think that the Buffalo Bills roster is built for the pressure. And honestly, uh, what is there to disagree with? Uh, we scored over 500 points as an offense. Uh, our quarterback uh, is getting better. Our team is back. Uh, we are more seasoned. Our young players will progress. So what is there to disagree with? Uh, Pressure is definitely in the equation for the Buffalo Bills, but deservingly so. We've earned the right to have some pressure. I agree. And I'm going to show that again in a second because that's going to lead right into you started talking about the offense, and that was a perfect segue. But I want to get this one out there. Not sure how many people follow PFF. Um, Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are kind of indifferent. Some people really don't care. Um, So PFF put out their quarterback rankings this week. And some people were hot on this. They were they were they're fired up about this. So number one, Mahomes, two Brady, three Rogers, four Russell Wilson, five Deshaun Watson, and then Josh was six ahead of Dak, Lamar, Matt Ryan, and Baker Mayfield. Did they get it right? What do you think? I think they got it wrong. Now, uh Josh Allen was ranked 32nd in PFF in 2019. So to, to jump up to six is, is a hell of a feat. But in my opinion, if you want to have Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson up there as your first four, that's, that's fine. Where I have a problem is, is Deshaun Watson. If everybody talk about team success all the time and we think about MVPs, right? You can't be an MVP if your team is shitty. You can't be an MVP if your team is average. Well, guess what? Deshaun Watson, he played on a terrible team last year. And he is one of the few players that's getting a lot of recognition, even though he played on a terrible team. And I don't understand that. I don't understand how you can have a guy that didn't win as much games uh, ahead of a guy that went 13 and three, 15 and four overall, and won an AFC East title. For me, I must take a Stephen A word is blasphemy. And at <laughs> least, at least 
he should be in the top five because if you want to argue to others, at least the, the other guys, they have accolades behind them. At least they have team success behind them. At least they have Super Bowl rings behind them. But Deshaun Watson, come on, man. No disrespect, but come on, man. Yeah, but here's my thing, too. And you talk about Deshaun Watson, and it's like the Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford-like thing. These guys all put up numbers because they have to pass because they're losing every single game. So look at Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. Before he got injured, he was tearing up the league. But they were losing every single game because that defense was historically bad. So in the third and fourth quarter, Dak's passing on every down. So, yeah, he's going to throw for 400 yards. Yeah, he's going to have 60 attempts because he has to. So if you look, and I'm not, I'm not arguing the fact that Deshaun Watson should be on this list because he should. He, he, he's, he's dynamic. I think, he, I think he's an exceptional quarterback. Mm-hmm. But if you're putting this list up here, I'm putting Mahomes one, Aaron Rodgers two, Josh Allen three. That's my list. Because I think Patrick Mahomes is, is arguably the best quarterback in the league. I think that Tom Brady, or I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. We all know he's the current MVP. And Josh is Josh. And I honestly think that Josh will be, once they do, um, once they do the top 100 players list, I could see Josh Allen being number six on the NFL top 100. I think Tom Brady was it was a nice story. I just don't know if he can do that again. Is Tom Brady the GOAT? I, I think so, but I don't know if that Super Bowl win, you're going to credit that to Tom Brady. I think that's a farce because what that defense and how it was schemed just completely destroyed Patrick Mahomes in that offense. And let's, and let's put this into perspective, right? Look at – we think about the jump – that Josh Allen made, we made a post mm-hmm. about it. I is is well known about the jump. 2018, 52% completion percentage, 67 overall rating. 2019, 58 uh percent uh, completion percentage, 85 overall rating. 2020, 69.2% completion percentage, 107.2 rating. And did we forget he got better during a pandemic? <laughs> No mm-hmm. OTAs, no no preseason, no practice. You mean to tell me Josh Allen? And we talk about, I've been seeing a lot of regression talk from Josh Allen. The haters want Josh Allen to regress. Um, they've been talking about speculations of, of his regression. I'm like, how can a guy regress when he improved during a pandemic? <laughs> now he has the normality of an NFL season. We, we, we're talking big things for Josh Allen this year, baby. Big I things. Agree. Uh, Ismail, great comment. Josh Allen elevates his team. His steady progress and in intangibles has been paramount to the development of not just himself, but this offense overall. That's a great comment um, because yep. Josh Allen, just, let's just talk about this, the Seahawks game. They didn't try to do anything but let Josh pass the ball. Now, Say what you want about the Seahawks defense, but they said, Josh, just pass. Every freaking down, mm-hmm. just pass. And that's what they did. The Colts game, if we had a different quarterback, there's no way we come out of that Colts game with a win. Josh mm-hmm. Allen carried the mm-hmm. team in that Colts game. So 
I think, like like you said, all the career years that the receivers have had with him, Diggs included, mm-hmm. Diggs included. We didn't included. think that Stefan Diggs. If if anybody is sitting out here in Bills Mafia saying that they thought Stefan Diggs was going to be that good right away, they're fooling themselves. Mm-hmm. They're they're fooling themselves. So mm-hmm. that's why I would put Josh High on that list because I think he makes everybody around him just that much better. On top of the fact, the shit that he does off schedule is insane. I don't know of another quarterback that that's yes, Lamar Jackson's athletic. Yes, Deshaun Watson's athletic. I get all that, but the stuff mm-hmm. that he does once he's outside the pocket, nobody else does. And the pinpoint accuracy when he's on the run is 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 absolutely insane. So, agree. All right. So, again, smash the like button. Please share this on Facebook. Subscribe. Hit that bell so you guys know when we go live. A. Rich will be back on Tuesday with the Buffalo Blueprint. That is his weekly episodic show. Um, so we're going to get into offense. Let's let's dive into this Bills offense. We got all that other stuff out of the way. And we're going to talk about running backs. So. I don't even know how we should attack this because there's a, a variety of ways we can go about attacking this. Mm-hmm. So I'll run down the list of guys that the Bills currently have active on the roster. Mm-hmm. So we have Matt Breida, yep. Antonio Williams, Taiwan Jones, Christian Wade, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary. So my first question to you and to the masses and I want in the comment section I want you guys to let me know and A. Rich who is RB1 if you had to guess right now heading into week one preseason if I had if I had a choice of a starting running back between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss for me it would be Zach Moss Ooh, hold up, hold up, hold yes, up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hold, hold, yes. hold on. Yes, hold sir. On. Yes, hold sir. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. Thank you, Will Smith. Continue Much on. appreciate it. Much appreciate it. But Zach Moss, <laughs> I mean, let, let's put some things in perspective. Uh, Devin Singletary did have over 300 snaps more than Zach Moss. And I know a lot of people... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use some PFF references here, right? Because uh, a lot of people, as much as we don't like PFF, they're starting to become a bigger forefront in the NFL, right? Even in primetime games, uh, they, they show the PFF rankings that go along with the starting lineup. So it's starting to uh, heavenly, uh, heavily be taken into account. So when you look at and dive into some rank- rankings, Zach Moss had a 75.8 grade as a runner. Devin Singletary had a 73.6 grade as a runner. When you look at the pass blocking, Zach Moss as a pass blocker was a 78.9 grade. As a pass blocker for Devin Singletary, he was a 57.5. Devin Singletary was a liability as a pass blocker for the Buffalo Bills. And for me, that's important. For me, that's that's extremely important because what is the Buffalo Bills identity on offense? We want to pass the ball. <laughs> we want to have reliable guys out there that can pass protect. And we have some issues already along the offensive line pass protecting. At least we need a running back that can be 
uh, that can hold up the fort and protect our running back, Josh Allen. So because uh, Zach Moss is more physical between the tackles, because Zach Moss even graded out as a better receiver, I think Zach Moss has more physicality and more ability to take over that number one running back role. So for me, it's Zach Moss. And I love Motor. I love Devin Singletary. Comment section agrees with you. I mean, I, I so I posted a on our Twitter, I posted a poll. It was more of a, a like a retweet thing, but mm-hmm. it was it was 90% motor mm-hmm. who was RB1. Um, so it's kind of interesting that the comment section, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I'm looking between Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It's a lot of moss, a whole lot of moss, a couple breeders in there, a couple, a couple motors in there. Um, I think, I think it's Singletary. Really? It's going to be one of the only times we, we disagree. Really? Yes. I, I think that the scheme last year was just wrong. Mm. I think because of the lack of training camp, the lack of preseason, I think that they went with a very vanilla run blocking scheme and they figured out real quick early on that Josh was doing things that we didn't think Josh was going to do last year. Not to say that they didn't think Josh was ever going to do that stuff, but I mean, 300 yard passing game the first week, 400 yard passing game the second week. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Even halfway through the season, we were like, do we don't even need a running game? Like, why do we need a running game when Josh is passing for 300 yards every game and he's hitting 70% completion percentage? We don't need a running game. Well, guess what? I think teams this year are going to figure out how to stop the Bills, and they're going to have to have some sort of a well-defined running game to keep teams honest, to be be 100%. If I'm keeping it a buck with you, I -hmm. think that they're going to have to have, and I think that Motor's the guy who's been here the longest, 2019. I'll harp on 2019 and then 2020. Devin Singletary just didn't forget how to run the ball. 5.1 yards of carry his rookie season. Mm-hmm. He didn't just forget how to, to find holes and do all that stuff last year. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like it was bad scheme. Um, and I, I feel like he's the guy. And I don't care if he looks like he's bulked up. I'm not saying that's the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that – I and I like Zach Moss. I think mm-hmm. Zach Moss, like you said – Maybe they bring him in more to finish out games and get the tough yards and start off games with Singletary. But I will say this. Please don't bring in Matt Breida to be friggin' TJ Yeldon. Use this man. Please use this man as a change of pace back. Use him for the speed. I don't care if you come out four wide and whatever you got to do, line him up somewhere and get him the ball because – he will take shit to the house. And I just think that that's what we missed last year. Moss and motor can't break one from anywhere on the, from wherever on the field. Um, and Brita can. So I just and- would feel, I, I would just feel weird if they went and signed Brita, because if you watch the Super Bowl run that the 49ers made, a lot of that was because of Brita, the 49ers were running the shit out of the ball. And you could say what you want about Kyle Shanahan and he makes running backs. I don't give a shit. He didn't just forget like like motor. He didn't forget when he went to Miami how to run the ball. He fumbled a couple times at the beginning of the year and they benched his ass. So we we cannot do to Matt Breeder what we did with Kenny Stills, right? Yes. Matt Breeder, in my opinion, he comes to this football team to be on the 53 man roster. We we can't ignore we talk about how players could get better and how certain things could get better. Well, guess what? 
coaches could get better as well. How can coaches get better? You know how Brian Dable could get better? And you know how Sean McDermott could get better? They can start by implementing a third running back on game day. You got it partially right. You made the signing. You understood that we need another running back. You understood that we we needed another running back of some type of explosiveness. Now we have to finish it off. And the way to the way to finish it off is adding that third running back on game day. We cannot uh, give defensive teams and defensive coordinators any breaks. And I believe uh, with the addition of Matt Breida, his speed, his explosiveness, his ability, he has to be on the 53-man roster. And that's a, a coaching change that has to be implemented. And we hope uh, they get it right. I agree 100%. And you touched on it earlier about how the Bills scored 501 points last year. I think this offense got better. With the additions they made, I think this offense got better than it was last year. I think – uh, yeah, look at the production we got from John Brown or lack thereof last year. And then look at the season that Emmanuel Sanders had. He had a better season statistically. Now John Brown missed some time. I get that. But he would – I mean, Emmanuel Sanders was also 33 years old on a really stacked Saints team. I think that if you put Emmanuel Sanders out there with Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Cole Beasley, that's a better four than what they would have ran out there last year because Gabriel – or uh, Emmanuel Sanders, I believe, is one of the top five route runners in the NFL. You can't say that about John Brown. Is he one of the top five speedsters? Sure, John Brown is. But I think they got better. They they lost TJ Yeldon. They added Matt Breida, mm-hmm. right? Offensive line was inconsistent all season because of injuries. They brought back – they're bringing back five guys that ended the season not playing together. So we have all five guys that they want up there – and the depth is there. So I feel like this I feel like this offense got better than it did last year. I'm not saying we're going to score more points than we did last year, but I think the offense got a little bit better than it did last year. What what's your take on that? My my question to you now is how much better is Emmanuel Sanders than John Brown? How much how much better? How much of a difference it is between those two players? Because what I would say to you now is we just spoke about Josh Allen being the best player in the Indianapolis Colts game, right? Mm-hmm. If Josh Allen didn't play that Indianapolis Colts game, I'm not sure if the Buffalo Bills win that game. The Kansas City Chiefs, they 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 double-teamed Stephon Diggs, and they took everybody else out the game, right? Mm-hmm. So how much, uh, how much better is Emmanuel Sanders than John Brown? Is Emmanuel Sanders the guy that, when does Stefan Diggs isn't getting open and nobody else could get open? Cole Beasley and Gary Davis, is he getting open? Is he the guy that's going to get open? So that's what I that's what I have to think about. And in my opinion, that's that's also the reason why I was willing to entertain a, a situation like Julio Jones. Because last year, in my opinion, is last year. Last year ain't got shit to do with this year. And we have to continue to try to find ways to get better. So this year, what I'm hoping is Emmanuel Sanders is indeed. Not only better than John Brown, but significantly better than John Brown. And I'm also hoping for the progression from my coach, Brian Dable, to call better plays and come up with better schematics offensively to run the ball. And I'm hoping we have player progression. Dawson Knox progress. Cody Ford progress. And and, and our running backs progress. And if those things happen, yes, I believe our offense will be better, but it remains to be seen. 
I agree, and I can't wait. Next week, we're going to talk about the wide receivers, tight ends, and Josh Allen in the quarterback room. That's going to be awesome because uh, wide receivers, I have a whole bunch of crazy takes on wide receivers because I love Isaiah Hodgins. Just FYI, I'm going to throw that out there as a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I'm going to go through these guys, and you let me know how you feel about their role on the team this year. Taiwan Jones. I, I no disrespect Taiwan Jones. I think he's taking up a roster spot. I think he's the Patrick DeMarco of the Buffalo Bills this year. Really? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Now, a lot of people would say, you know, uh, he he he's a he's a gunner. He's an he's an important player. He's a gunner, and uh, and you know, I think we can find another gunner. <laughs> You know, that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Other other people may tell you, other experts may tell you, hey, Taiwan Jones plays a pivotal role. In my opinion, Andre Roberts play a more pivotal role than Taiwan Jones. And we are looking for an Andre Roberts replacement. So Taiwan Jones is a special teams player at best. I don't even talk about him when it comes to uh, r- the actual running back uh uh, equation. If he's taking running back snaps, we're in trouble offensively in our running back room. The only time he took an offensive snap away from our running back room was when the Bills were trying to get the 14th guy with a touchdown reception. Remember when he dropped it? Yeah, yeah. So that's all I need to know about. I mean, I understand the Bills' emphasis on special teams. I I get it. They want continuity, and they brought in Tyler Matakevich specifically for that role. And and I understand, you know, he got – you know, guys like Daryl Johnson, and that that's all they do, and things like that, and they're they're really good at it. But you know what? If if I can have a, a seventh wide receiver instead, which we'll talk about next week, if I could have a seventh wide receiver instead of a, just a special teams guy, yeah, I'll see. I'll see, we'll, we'll figure out someone that that can run down kicks and punts. Okay, ready? Next guy, Christian Wade. <clears throat> Christian Wade is a guy that is fortunate that the NFL is going back to to normal, right? Christian Wade is is going to benefit of having OTAs and training camp and three preseason games because we need to see this man in action. We need to see if this man is indeed capable of possibly taking a roster spot. Or we need to see if this man is capable of holding down a practice squad spot because practice squad is not like 10 years ago. Where practice squad, nobody really knew there was a practice squad, and practice squad didn't re, uh, didn't mean as much. In this NFL today, you want to have a decent practice squad because the rate of injuries and what be going on in the NFL and a 17th game and adding more players, you want to be able to have some guys on your practice squad that can come up if need be and can have some type of rotational impact uh, if called upon. And uh, I think uh, I think that. Uh, that can be a role in uh, if necessary. I agree a hundred and ten percent. There was a good comment in here, and I like this comment from Vlad. This is going back to Taiwan Jones. Our gunners should be able to contribute on offense or defense. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. All right. So my thing about Christian Wade, and it's no knock on Christian Wade. Um, I just think that he's not in a position. I think that needs three years of development. He didn't play college football, so that's a knock. That's something he can't he can't help. But again, mm-hmm. that's not the Bills' fault either, right? Um, as we all know, running back is probably the easiest of all the positions to translate from college to, to the NFL. He played rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, is he not picking up the playbook because he needs to do more than just run the ball? 
We talked about how Zach Moss is in pass protection. We need to talk about the same thing with Christian Wade before we start saying give the guy a chance, right? Um, so to your point, preseason, yes, it looked nice two years ago when he took one to the house from 60 yards, and then he took a screen pass almost to the house. But I just don't and, – and I, I, I got into it with some people on Twitter. I just – I think if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. He's got an exempt roster spot, so there's mm-hmm. nothing – Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with having him here, right? Let him have the NFL experience. I believe he's 31 years old, if I'm correct. I believe he's 31 years old. So it's not like he's a 25-year-old running back. Mm-hmm. He played in a very combative sport of rugby. They don't wear pads. So mm-hmm. you got to think that his body's got a little bit of wear and tear on it. Um, is he fast? Is he quick as a hiccup? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that always equates into being a dominant running back or a guy that can come in and compete. So I just, I, I, it's a great story. Um, and I love the fact that him and FA Obata can kind of, you know, bring the whole UK thing to the Bills and be buddies and, and share that experience together. But I, I just, I don't see it. I don't understand the fascination with a guy who did something in a meaningless game against guys who aren't even in the NFL. Um, if he comes in and they put him in with the starters in the third preseason game or the second preseason game and he does something, then maybe we can have a different conversation. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. All right, so this one is one that a lot of people like. Antonio Williams. Um, I like Antonio Williams personally. I like his story. Um, I'll let you give me your take on Antonio Williams because you interviewed him last year when he was an undrafted free agent. The Bills signed him. You interviewed him last year. He's he's an awesome guy. He's really into uh, NASCAR and all that stuff. He's got a ton of stuff going on for him personally. And like I said, teammates seem to love him. He's he's a, a hard worker. Um, and I wanted to throw out there too that the practice squad again this year is 16. It's, it's 16 uh, players on the practice squad again this year. So we'll see an increase of some guys that we don't typically see put on the practice squad that was um, in the new collective bargaining agreement that they signed last year. It's going to be for this year too. So what's your, what's your thoughts on Antonio Williams? Uh, Hungry, hungry player, Antonio Williams. He only had 28 snaps last year for the Buffalo bills, but he made the most of his opportunities. And I think Antonio Williams is a big physical running back that can, that's definitely, that should definitely be on the roster via the practice squad. At worst, Antonio Williams will be on the practice squad. My concern is, will he make it for the rest of the season on the Buffalo Bills if he's on the practice squad? Because those limited snaps, uh, I think one of these 31 teams at some point during the season, if he's going to be on the practice squad and continues to be, he may get snatched up on another team. So we'll see what happens with Antonio Williams this season. But I really like him because... He's big, he's physical, and he's hungry, like Antonio Williams. Yeah, and it's going to be nice to have preseason games, and I want these guys to get meaningful snaps. I think we know what we have with Brita, Moss, and Motor. I don't. Maybe they get a couple series, but I want to see what these other backs have. I want to see what Christian Wade has because this is going to be the last year. I don't think they're going to extend the program again. Mm-hmm. I want to see – if Antonio Williams can do it against good defensive talent in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And I want to see if the game against Miami wasn't just a one-off, you know, because it mm-hmm. seems like everybody that the bills trotted out there was just doing damage to, to the, to the dolphins in, in mm-hmm. week 17. Um, but I, I, I like Antonio Williams, man. I, I like, 
I like his skill set. Um, he's kind of that ground and pound guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got the, the he's just massive, like midsection to lower body is just massive, and he's built for wearing down teams in the fourth quarter. But I think mm-hmm. we have that in Zach Moss. Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and you know, and you spent a third round draft pick on Zach Moss. So, I mean, I understand sometimes you find guys that are undrafted and, and they come in and they make impacts and I, I get all that, but I, I just don't know. It's going to be nice to, to watch them get in some meaningful snaps in preseason. Um, thankfully it's only three games of preseason this year instead of four. So that way it goes a lot quicker and then they have two weeks off after the third preseason game. Mm-hmm. All right. So you like Zach Moss. We're going to revisit this. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to both keep receipts on this. Um, you like Zach Moss. I like Singletary. Um, a lot of people are saying Brita has a shot to be starter. I don't know. I don't know how McDermott and, and Dable look at Matt Brita. If he's going to be like that Swiss army knife type of guy that they're going to bring in to do gadget stuff, um, just to give the defense a different look every now and then, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. So, all right, let's, let's switch gears. Since we want to talk about the offensive line. Let's put the hoggies up there. Um, we're probably going to go pretty in depth on this because I know that you were looking up PFF stuff. I was looking up some PFF stuff. Um, and this is the biggest part of the roster as far as bodies that we have on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I can say, I could preface this by saying we have a lot of depth from what we had in 2018 and Josh's rookie season to now. Mm-hmm. The backups, I think, would have been better than some of the starters that we had in 2018. No knock on Dion because that was his second year. Um, but let's start with tackles, right? And I'm just going to read them off, and then we'll do, you know, we'll do the that what I think you and me both think is going to be the starting five. Um, so we got Bobby Hart. Yep. Dead silence. <laughs> Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart, um, Ryan Bates. Hey, guess what? Ryan Bates can play all five positions on the offensive line. I, I say mm-hmm. that every every chance I get because people yeah. hate it. <laughs> Cy- Cyrus Tuatelli, which we all know is – is he the cousin or the nephew of A.J. Epinesa? Is he the cousin not, or nephew? I think it might be his cousin. I'm not sure. I know they're related. I know they're related for sure. Um, and we have Deion Dawkins. Obviously, know, uh, obviously, we know Deion Dawkins. Tommy Doyle. Massive man in mm-hmm. Tommy Doyle, mm-hmm. Daryl Williams, mm-hmm. and Spencer Brown. Yep. Another massive mountain of a man. Um, so who's the odd man out in there? Let's start there. How about that? Who's the odd man out of that group? The odd man out of that group is AJ Epinesa's cousin. Yeah, <laughs> gotta be. He's gotta be, right? Yeah, I think I I, I I believe he is uh, the obvious odd man out the group. Uh, we want to talk about Bobby Hart. Uh, a lot of people probably would make fun or don't like Bobby Hart. He probably isn't the ideal starting player, but as a backup, he's an upgrade. As sure. a back as a backup for our Buffalo Bills, he's an upgrade. Sixty six overall PFF grade. He played one hundred and seventy two snaps last year. Uh, 
His run blocking rate, his run blocking grade was a 68.5. So it wasn't terrible. He has some ability to, to, to move guys off the ball. So I, I like some depth there. Uh, you alluded to Ryan Bates. He, I believe Ryan Bates can play all five offensive positions, but he only had 83 snaps, right? Small sample size. So we're going to see what he does, but Brian, uh, excuse me, but uh, Bobby, uh, OG Bobby Johnson, uh, Sean McDermott, uh, Brandon Bean, they love his versatility. So those guys, in my opinion, are are definitely going to be on the team. And I think AJ Epinesa's cousin is the, is the odd man out here. Yeah, I just, I've seen so many things on social media about Spencer Brown and about how people think he's going to be the starting right tackle. I don't, I don't, I just don't see that. Is he going to come in and push the shit out of Daryl Williams? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he can. Cause we all know Dion's not going anywhere. We all know we, we can all agree that Dion at, at left tackle is just not going anywhere. Right. And I don't, I don't like the whole moving Daryl Williams from where he played at a pro bowl level last year. I, I don't like moving him to guard to right guard, just so you can get the rookie to play right tackle. And I, I know a lot of people are like, well, he said he doesn't like to play on the left side, but he'll play on the right side. That doesn't mean he wants to play right guard, right? Let's look at Cody Ford for a minute, and we'll talk about the guards next. Let's look at Cody Ford for a minute. Cody Ford is not a left guard. I don't care I don't care how, how you want to spin it to me. I don't care if you want to put it in a box, wrap it in a bow, tell me it's my Christmas present, my birthday present, happy Hanukkah, whatever, all in one. Cody Ford is not a left guard. They're going to let him play there the whole season because I think they owe it to him because I think they believe in the guy. They drafted him. They, they traded up to draft him. He got injured. They moved him all over the place, back and forth, back and forth, right guard, right tackle, right guard, right tackle. Last year, left guard, and then he got injured. I just, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, no. I'm going to uh, piggyback, off, piggyback off you. I, I agree 100%. If it's not broke, in my opinion, don't fix it. You know, we're talking about 75, 79 qualified offensive tackles that's ranked in PFF. Daryl Williams is the 21st best tackle in the NFL. 79 overall grade. He had an 80 pass blocking grade and a 75 run blocking grade. Daryl Williams plays an above average tackle position and it's hard to find quality tackles in this nfl if it's not broke do not fix it i'm not a believer of kick, kicking him on the inside you're devaluing the positions on the offensive line in my opinion you just say yeah. hey he he played right tackle let's kick him in the guard and he could have the same success there is a reason why players play four three defense and players play three four defense Right. There's a reason why players perform better in certain schemes and certain situations than others. I understand that right guard, right tackle is on the same side. But Daryl Williams made an all pro appearance, second team all pro in 2017 as a right tackle. He played very well above average football for the Buffalo Bills last year as a right tackle. I don't see any success on his resume as a right guard to say, you know what? You are all pro caliber tackle. 
that means you could play all pro caliber guard too. No, nah, I don't believe in that. Uh, Daryl Williams is the right tackle. It's not broke. Don't fix it. If he has poor play, then you replace him then. But don't move his position. I think what got everybody started on this was the, the drafting of Spencer Brown. Because I think he's too big to play guard. He's a tackle. Not saying he can't play guard, but he's that guy's built to be a tackle. And you have your franchise left tackle. You just signed Daryl Williams for three years. So that's why I think a lot of people were intrigued by the Spencer Brown signing is that, you know, maybe Daryl Williams' days at right tackle were numbered. Um, but it's it's interesting. It's, it's very interesting. All right, let, let's get into the guards because this, I think, is going to be a little bit more interesting. So we have John Feliciano, Mongo, fan favorite. We got Forrest Lamp. Jordan Devy, Ike Bakker, Cody Ford, Steven Gonzalez, and Jack Anderson. So let's start first and foremost. Let's start with, with Feliciano. You have you have his PFF grades? Yeah, I have his pass his pass blocking and run blocking grade with me. Yes. Yeah. Overall, just about a 65. Yep. Yep. 65, 64.8 overall ranking. Uh he's actually the 38th ranked guard in the NFL out of 80 qualified guards. So he's not terrible. You know, he's not terrible. Uh, 32 teams, two guards each team. That's 64 starting guards. He's ranked He's ranked 38th. Here's the problem with John Feliciano. Pass blocking. Thank God Josh Allen is who the hell he is, right? Because if he was a stationary quarterback, the Buffalo Bills offensive line would look a lot worse than it actually is. Josh Allen, the use of his legs and use of his mobility uh, mask a lot of deficiencies. John Feliciano has a 46.4 pass blocking grade. And when you, you, when you combine a John Feliciano pass blocking grade, he's a liability. That's a liability grade. And you look at Devin Singletary as a pass blocker in the 50. That's a liability grade. So that's why I'm concerned. You know, the pass blocking for John Feliciano is definitely a concern. I'm willing to go as much as as doing what Miami did with Tua. You know, they had a they had a closer coming with Fitzpatrick. Maybe we need to have a guy that that can pass block better in passing situations because that is a problem. And I believe in this grade in this pass block grade because I see it all over the Kansas City Chiefs game. I seen the poor pass blocking grade against Chris Jones. Now, don't get it twisted. Not everybody is Chris Jones, but this grade is throughout the entire 2020 season, and that is alarming to me. We need to be better uh, with our pass blocking and protecting Josh Allen. Remember when we had our show after the Bills re-signed Mongo, and I got destroyed why do you hate John Feliciano? Why do you, it was a great move and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that John Feliciano and the really good contract that was structured for him and team friendly is a bad move because there was no way the bills could have rolled the dice on what was going to happen in the draft. There was no, the draft would have looked a lot different if they didn't re-sign John Feliciano. I guarantee you they would have taken a guard really early, but you just explained it all. Pass blocking needs to get better, and we're 
like you said, we're very fortunate that we don't have a stationary quarterback because it wouldn't have worked. We would have been addressing this a long time ago if Josh wasn't who Josh is. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, is Josh is always rolling out to the right. And that's the side that Mongo's on. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's a coincidence there, if things break down inside and he has to roll out to the right. Um, but there's some guys on this roster that may push Feliciano. Um, Forest Lamp. What's your take on Forest Lamp? I, I I'm not too sure, and here's why. I know he's a big guard. I know he was a former second round pick, but he has a poor grade. So when I look at poor grades, now I have to be in depth into what the hell your team is doing. What type of offensive scheme are you running? Does it mirror the same offensive scheme the Buffalo Bills would be running? Does it mirror that same run blocking scheme? So I have to think about that and take those things into account. But over 1,100 snaps uh, last year for the, uh, for the Chargers, uh, his pass blocking grade is is not great, but much better than his run blocking grade. If there's anybody that's going to that could push out the guys we do have, I believe it is Forrest Lamp. But based on his numbers, I'm I'm not too sure. There's a good question here from Jason Taylor. Mm-hmm. Would Ford be better? What if we flip flop Ford and Feliciano? What's your thoughts on that? I'll let you I'll let you uh, bite into that one. You know what? I so here's here's the problem with that question. I don't know shit about Cody Ford. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. You know, I yes. don't know a goddamn thing about Cody Ford. I'm more interested in Ike Bakker. <laughs> I think Ike Bakker has a better opportunity to take that last starting guard spot than Cody Ford. I like the versatility. I like what Ike Bakker has shown. Uh, with his 800 snaps, Ike Bakker been in more offensive snaps than John Feliciano, and I and I like what he what he's shown in his in his playing time, and so he's the more interesting guy to me right now. Cody Ford is a man that that has to come in and prove himself. He has to come in, and he's fortunate that we're back to norm back to normal with these preseason games and OTA and training camp because he has a lot of things to show and prove. And you talk about Ike Bakker. Everybody was was like scoffing at the fact that we we gave him that we re-signed him. Everybody's like, why did we re-sign a backup guard? Ike Bakker, when he came into play, there was noticeable difference in the blocking scheme up front. I'm mm-hmm. I'm sorry, he's not a flashy name, but mm-hmm. he he does his damn job and he does it pretty good. And I thought that when Ford went down with his injury and they put Bakker at left guard, the offensive line on the left side looked a lot better. That's just my opinion, but you got to think by bringing in guys like Forrest Lamp and in drafting Jack Anderson, mm-hmm. these guys are going to have to like Cody Ford. This is it, dude. Like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is your last year to figure out if you're going to make it in the NFL because we ain't putting yet right tackle. I don't think they're going to move Mongo. So left guard it is. You got to figure it out. And maybe that sounds fair or unfair because maybe you've, you're not a left-sided person. Maybe you're a right-side, right-guard, right-tackle guy, and this just isn't working for you, but you got to figure it out. And I think if he's fully healthy, maybe he comes into camp with, with a, a little bit more determination and a sense of urgency. Because um, I, I think once the season was going on in 2019, I thought Cody Ford was progressing 
kind of nice towards the end of the season. It seems like he was picking things up as the season was going along. And then everybody got pissed at him for that stupid blindside block that wasn't really his fault. And then last year, they signed Daryl Williams late, right? Mm-hmm. Mongo was out with the, with the injury, right? So we're like, oh, gosh, what are we doing? And then, you know, we had Brian Winters, for whatever reason, was playing right guard instead of Cody Ford. So what does that mm-hmm. tell you? Mm-hmm. Brian Winters was getting the starting snaps at right guard over Cody Ford when Ike Bakker was on this roster. Ryan Bates was on this roster. They could have both played left guard. So mm-hmm. that just tells me that he can't do anything. On, he couldn't do right guard or right tackle. So that, that's just my opinion on it. Um, let's talk about Jack Anderson. You want you want to keep going about Cody Ford? Um, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, let me put up Cody Ford's graphics real quick because no I don't problem. think we got into this too much. So it's a it's a small sample size, right? It's a small sample size for Cody Ford because <laughs> he didn't play a ton at left guard and then he was injured, right? And it was his first season, so I think he gets a little bit of a break there. But he better bring it this year because there's guys waiting that are just going to take the spot. So the interesting draft pick, albeit late round, seventh round pick, Jack Anderson, I'm intrigued by this man. Not only because he looks like Richie Incognito's like illegitimate son, Mm -hmm. he um, I think he's got a shot to push these guys this year. I liked if if you've watched film on him, the guy the guy's a mauler, like what Mongo said he was when he came in a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think he would improve the run game. I honestly do. I think that he would improve our run game on the left side, and he's going to push Cody Ford. I think Ike Bacher, I think, is the clear backup to Cody Ford backup plan. But I think Jack Anderson is that guard that nobody's going to pay attention to, and he's going to come into camp and he's just going to knock shit around. What's your thoughts? I'm not sure. Seventh round pick. I like I like the tattoos. I like the look <laughs> looking like Richie Incognito. He looks as if he has a mean streak, but he was a seventh round pick for a reason. He's a guy that's going to have to come in and, and, and show his work. He's going to have to show that work ethic, and he's going to have to show that he, he belongs. I would love and hope that he can come in and, and be an impact player right away. But is he a guy that's going to make impact right away? Is he a guy that's going to make uh, impact eventually uh, through progression? Or he's a seventh-round pick that that's never going to see the field? And those are the three things I think about right now. And I'm not too sure where Jack Anderson sits right now. But I'm hoping he can make an impact. We'll see. And Mr. Diggs said it. I was going to bring this up. I, I was kind of setting you up for this. Mm-hmm. Jack Anderson plays center as well. So we know the history of Mitch Morse and the concussions, right? Mm -hmm. So now we have Feliciano who can play center and we have Jack Anderson who can play center. Um, I'm concerned about Mitch Morse. Um, We could talk about centers real quick um, because we only have two on the roster, but we have obviously Mitch Morse and and Jamal Douglas, Jamil Douglas. I don't think he makes the roster, but um, I believe he was the twenty. He was in the twenties as far as out of all the centers graded. Um, I'm concerned about Mitch Morse because to have as many concussions that he's had it this early in his career, that's not good. You got guys like Luke Keekley who have had 
medically proven less concussions than a guy who's in a car wreck every time the ball snapped. And he, Luke Kuechly retired because of it. Now, Luke Kuechly was a physical player, but Mitch Morse is button heads with guys on every single play. Um, so I'm, I'm a little concerned about Mitch Morse. I, I, I like the guy. I like his attitude. The 2019 style of running that the Bills did, I think Mitch Morse was a, was a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Was a huge part of it. He was the anchor of that line. And I don't know what the scheme was last year, but it wasn't, it, it, they weren't using Mitch Morse correctly last year. I, I just feel like with no offseason last year and the lack of any kind of continuity with rookie Zach Moss last year, um, the offensive line we brought in Daryl Williams, so we had a new guy. Feliciano was injured. I just think that they went with such a vanilla play style. What, what's your What's your thoughts on Mitch Morse? I mean, I, I like in 2019 the blocking style in the scheme was to where Mitch Morse can get out in space and make things happen. Right? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yep. So we didn't see it, hardly any of that last year. We didn't see Mitch Morse out in front you know, throwing blocks, you know, on outside runs. We didn't see any of that stuff. So what, what's, what's your thoughts? Mitch Morse, Mitch Morse, in my opinion, uh, he needs to play in the right offensive system. I think that the identity of the running game is, is affecting Mitch Morse's play. Yes. We understand the concussions and we understand that, uh, and we worried about his health. I believe Ryan Bates could play some center. I believe uh, that's who, that's who Ryan, Ryan Bates. Ryan Bates. Yep. He can, he can play all five positions on all the offensive five, line. All five positions. <laughs> I also believe that's that that's why John Feliciano is a is a more important signing than people think. Not just for the guard position, but for the center position as well, uh, because of of Mitch Morse uh, injury history, but. I have to think about uh, Brian Dable a little bit here. Now, don't get me wrong. Mitch Morse, you signed a four-year, $44 million contract. At the time, you was getting paid as one of the highest-paid centers in the NFL, so we expect you to come and perform. At the same time, our coaches, our coaching staff, our offensive line coach, and our offensive coordinator have to have an identity in terms of what they want to do in this running game. Are we a man-blocking scheme or are we a zone-blocking scheme? Uh Two years ago, when Devin Singletary rushed for 5.1 yards per carry, uh, Mitch Morse was out there pulling as a center, getting out in space on the second level, blocking line, blocking linebackers and 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 making way and was able to run uh, freely using his athleticism. He's that type of player. Last year, Mitch Morse didn't pull much, if not at all, uh, from the center position. And I believe uh, when we talk about schemes, uh, Mitch Morse plays a certain scheme and he's more effective in a scheme where he can be a move tight end, get out in space and get to that second level. So I believe uh, Brian Dable has to do a better job implementing these running schemes for our offensive line and running backs to have more success. And that was like what we were preached about Brian Dable. I think it finally came to fruition a little bit last year because of how good this offense performed was that, the players that Brian Dable has, he will find a way to put them in a, in, in a matchup that is suitable to their strengths, right? People people forget that Mitch Morse was a top three center just three seasons ago. 
I mean, I think he went all of uh, 2018, didn't give up any sacks the whole season from mm-hmm. the center position. That that's hard to do. Um, so people people forget that. I think I think a lot of the hate comes from the fact that the the, the offense couldn't run the ball last year. Um, and you could pick you could pick any of the five guys up front. And I think you can point to a, a time when the run the run game wasn't working. No matter what side of the, the what side of the line they ran, they ran to or tried to run through or, or around. So I mean, to me, and this goes back to the Matt Breida thing. Can we? We saw the only outside run plays that we saw were jet sweeps. That's it. They didn't do any pitch plays. They didn't do any sweeps. They did none of that stuff. I don't know if they felt that they didn't have the backs to get out there fast enough or if they just didn't have the run blocking scheme to get out there. But this brings me back to Matt Breida because Matt Breida, it doesn't matter. Give Matt Breida the ball. He will get to space. He'll get in space. And that's why I want Matt Breida installed in this lineup. I don't care if you give him five to ten snaps a game, maybe not even that much, but let him touch the ball a certain amount of time. If it's screen passes, if it's you want to do jet sweeps with him, whatever it is, but I think we need to get him more involved, um, or we need to actually get him involved in the office and not treat him like TJ Yeldon, where he's just a glorified inactive every single week, and, and except when somebody gets injured. So that's my take on that. So I'm gonna go ahead and 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 talk about Brian Dable a little bit because again, PFF and my eyes, they're two different things, right? My eyes would tell me one thing, PFF could definitely tell me another thing. But when I look at some grading systems here and I look at the, the run blocking grade, uh Deion Dawkins had a good run blocking grade, 75. Daryl Williams had a good uh, run blocking grade when you uh, rounded off as a 75. John Feliciano had a 76 run blocking grade. So between John Feliciano at uh, at right guard and right tackle with Daryl Williams, you had 75 and 76 run blocking grades. So you had guys on, on that offensive line that can get the job done, but we wasn't running the ball efficiently. So when I look at the grades, I have to look at the coach now. Brian Dable, what are you doing schematically to help our running backs? What are you doing schematically to get our guys in space, to get our guys uh, and putting their, them in the, in the best positions to be successful. So I think Brian Dable has to be included in this talk when we talk about running backs and offensive line because he is the man calling the plays. Yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely agree with you 100%. And I'm going to show two things, and I already showed the graphics, but I'm going to show them in back-to-back. Deion Dawkins was the 14th best tackle, all tackles, in – the NFL. Now there's 64 tackles. And then if you don't count backups, right. Mm-hmm. Daryl Williams was the 21st. So we had two of the top 25 tackles mm-hmm. on the same team. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? Where's the problem on the offensive line? In the middle interior, mm-hmm. interior offensive line mm-hmm. is where they have issues. So the only thing that I question is the fact that we drafted two guys now, I'm not saying these guys can't play guards, but we drafted two tackles, right? Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle, mm-hmm. right? We drafted two more tackles. I mean, we drafted Jack Anderson, and we signed Forrest Lamp, but mm-hmm. where would you think we would have needed to target our improvement? At guard, right? Yep. So I, that's that thing. That, that was one thing that was a little 
confusing, I should say. I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm completely ignorant to the situation because I understand you always want to get as much talent as possible to have depth and to push guys because you're always one snap away from having to play these guys, and I, I get that. But it was just interesting that you know we didn't try to go after a guard earlier than we did. But they had a philosophy. They stuck to it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they have a lot of faith in Cody Ford. Um, maybe they have a lot of faith in John Feliciano. We're, we're going to find out real soon. So, all right. So that's that about wraps it up for us. Anything else you want to talk about the Bills offense? I mean, we're an hour and 25 minutes in. I think we covered everything we wanted to cover. Yeah, I, you know, I think we covered uh, the offensive line. Uh, who's, who's the starting five? Who's your starting five? Oh, that's easy. Dawkins, Ford, Morse, Feliciano, and Darrell Williams. I got to go with Ford because I believe they're going to put him out there because they they invested. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are kind of they're to a fault. They're they're like they'll stand behind their guys like to a fault sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the whole Nate Peterman thing. Mm-hmm. Like, just try it again. Just just try it again. Just just mm-hmm. try it again. Maybe 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 maybe. Um, and I, I feel like they're going to now opening day. I, I, that's going to be the starting lineup. I'm not saying that we're going to finish the season with that unless Cody Ford balls up. We'll see. So, I mean, we got, there's a lot of depth. So the, these guys, we could hit week three and if Cody Ford struggle and we could see Forrest lamp, we could see Ike Bakker in there. I really like Ike Bakker. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I, like I just don't. I just don't see how they don't give Cody Ford that shot, unless he just has a terrible training camp. Yeah. What's your starting five? I mean, I think that's the starting five they're going to attempt to roll out with. I think they're going to give Cody Ford every opportunity to win that starting position. They moved up to draft him, so I think that speaks volumes. And we all know the the Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott. They're kind of conservative and they're really patient so patience is a virtue with cody ford so they're going to give him every opportunity to win this starting job however i do think ike bacher is sitting at that rear view rear view mirror and, and you know that rear view mirror says objects are closer than they appear <laughs> <laughs> i True. think i think ike bacher is a lot closer to cody ford than a lot of us would, would think and uh let's let's not let's not discontinue forest lamp as well Oh, that's hot. That's hot. <laughs> Thank I got to get a, I get a little cheese in there at the end of the show. Come on, man. Of course, of course. I, I agree with you, too. And don't, let's not forget, John Feliciano is coming off a pectoral injury. So he, who knows? Those are those are terrible injuries. We all know. I mean, we saw Matt Milano. He was, he was out forever with his, his pectoral. I don't think we thought he was going to be out as long as he was because he tried to play through it. So interesting. And I, I hate to say these things, but we're only one snap away. Like you always say, we're, we're one play away from having guys play next man up mentality that don't usually play. Mm-hmm. So that's going to do it for us guys. If you haven't smashed the like button, smash the like button. If you guys could share this, subscribe, hit the bell. Um, that's going to be it for us. We appreciate each and every one of you guys rocking with us. Um, a couple things before we get out of here. We now have seven podcasts every single day of the week. We got you covered on our podcast network. I'm going to put the link in our description. So it's permanently there for every show. Um, we got seven guys that are, that are killing our podcast right now. They're, they're, they're absolutely working their butts off. Um, 
we have uh, we brought Caveman on board. He's mm-hmm. been dropping videos every week. Each one's getting more and more views. He's getting a ton of interaction with with Bill's Mafia. He does he does a great job with his production quality on his videos. Super insightful, super knowledgeable. Um, our guy Justice. We got another video coming out Monday. Um, I'll tease it with it's about the 2018 draft. Get a box of tissues because you're going to need it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's coming out Monday. Um, a rich will be back Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, the red zone report guys will be back Friday and we'll be back here next week on Saturday. Um, and our website's coming. It's coming. It's coming soon. So, all right. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend for a rich. I am DM three as always. This is built in Buffalo. Go bills. <laughs>